Welcome everybody to the Bear Down Football Podcast with your host, Austin Muniz. And the first week of college football is in the books, but unfortunately for your UNC Bears, they lose a tough one to McNeese State, 17-14. to A hard-fought game, but they ended up coming up a little bit short in the end. It was a game that if you liked um, a lot of offense, there really wasn't a whole lot really on either side. But if you like good defense, there was definitely... Uh, good defense. Um, I have to give a lot of credit to UNC. Their defense was actually uh, really good and uh, better than um, I, better than I expected uh, coming into the game. Um, first, I would like to talk about um, before the game, like the atmosphere before the game. There was a decent amount of people there. Um, you know, pretty good first game uh, crowd for UNC. Um, they had I had I had fun at the Bears uh, brews and bites. Uh, had food. Uh, definitely tried out the beer there, uh, and Crabtree had their usual uh, free beer, which always good. And I wish they would. You know, I, and I know Crabtree will continue to. I wish other brews would do it. That'd be really cool. And I think UNC would probably benefit themselves if they um, did more kind of things like that, or prop people in. You know, like um, you know, beer gardens, or you know, more food, or even more things to do with kids, or more things to do with students, just to bring in uh, a bigger crowd, even or maybe even more people. Um, but as far as the game went, the game was actually um, really fun and uh, really exciting. Um, in this podcast, I think I'm going to go over the game summary and, ha- and pretty much go by, not drive by drive, but basically big uh, things that happen in each quarter. Um, then we'll get, I'll get into the stats. And then at the end, I'll have like a little bit of uh, just talking about my thoughts, my own thoughts of the game. And, uh, you know, talk about who I thought was, you know, players of the game for each side. And then depending on how far this goes, I think I'll try to get in the, a preview for uh, this next week's game against uh, South Dakota. So we'll, we'll get into it right away. Um, the Bears started uh, at 12 o'clock on Saturday. No, never mind. It was actually at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Maybe I that's when I started on, on Saturday, but it was uh, actually at 2 p.m. Saturday. And uh, McNeese State won the toss. They deferred, and uh, UNC received. Um, they got the ball at the 25 on a touchback. And they actually were moving the ball pretty well, and they moved it all the way to the McNeese State 23-yard uh, line on their first drive. But then a sack and some penalties brought them back, but they still were within field goal range. And uh, Colin Root missed from uh, 51 yards out, which led to McNeese, uh, McNeese State getting their first opportunity of the game. And... Uh, I think they ended up getting like a first down or two, and then UNC actually had a third and ten on them, but then there was a big play from Parker Orgeron and a few missed tackles that probably would have been a short gain, ended up being a 27-yard game and a big first down for McNeese State, and that eventually led to this. Dabbery working from the pistol with a single back set behind him and a wide out each direction. The turn, the handoff, it's Pratt into the end zone, touchdown. Right between center and right guard, he's got the score, and McNeese goes on top with 5.33 to play in the opening quarter. It's a 6-0 ball game. After the two-yard touchdown run by Justin Pratt, gave McNeese State the early 7-0 lead. UNC gets the ball back, a three and out, and McNeese State gets the ball again and has um, probably their only big running play of the entire game, and a 41-yard run by Justin Pratt. But a UNC's defense held strong and forced a field goal attempt by Gunnar Rayburn, and he made it 10-0 uh, Cowboys after their first two drives of the game. Um, 
UNC then, then again has another unsuccessful drive, and McNeese State again on the third drive of the game puts together a good drive, and it was uh, highlighted by a, a very nice diving catch and really one of the only vertical passes McNeese State threw all the game. Um, and it was a 19-yard gain by a Porter, Parker Orgeron who stretched out as far as he could get to that one. Uh, from where I was sitting, it was definitely a catch, and it was a definitely a really a good catch at that. Um, UNC, though, again, played strong. Once the McNeese State got into UNC territory, um, they forced a fourth down. Uh, McNeese State went for it, and uh, James Tabery on fourth down um, tried to, he did a fake handoff on, and tried to run with it and got stuck, got stuffed in the backfield. And that gave UNC the ball in their, um, own territory, but kind of pinned up, uh, I think inside the five at that time. And they get, you know, get the ball after that. They put together a good run by, uh, Milo Hall, one of the better ones in the game for UNC. And then an Alex Wesley catch. Um, and then when you think, just when you think this offense is starting to click a little bit, Nip's looking good. They're getting some, um, a few good runs in. Um, this happens. Nip from the pistol again. Dumped down late. Kicked off. It was intended for Rick. It's intercepted and brought back the other way. Gabe Foster to the 10, to the 5. He scores and it's 16-0 McNeese State. After the pick 6 by Gabe Foster, it gives McNeese State a 17-0 lead about midway through the second quarter. Both teams get a possession before the half, and but don't produce much. So going into the half, it's McNeese 17, UNC nothing. Um, the third quarter gets underway, and uh, no points were scored in actually in all the third quarter. But uh, there were some pretty good plays made by UNC in that quarter. Um, one of the mem- memorable plays being an Alex Wesley catch of uh, 62 yards. He turns and fakes the handoff to Hall. With time in the pocket, down the middle of the field, Wesley in double coverage, able to reach back and still make the catch at the 30-yard line, then it is taken away. What will the call be? It is an interception for McNeese. It was ruled an interception initially, but after the replay, uh, it was ruled a catch. Um, in, in live time, it looked like a catch, but then I remember uh, Colby Burton kind of came out of the power flipping around, and he ended up having the ball, so like, you know, like you know, we didn't have a benefit of the replay at the stadium, but live it looked like Wesley didn't make the catch, and it was in between two guys, and it was off of a play-action pass, a nip through probably over 50 yards in the air, maybe probably maybe even longer, but um, that gave UNC an opportunity there, uh, but unfortunately they couldn't uh, convert on that catch, and uh, but they did get uh, a field goal attempt by Colin Root. Unfortunately, he missed his second of a game. This one from uh, 44 yards out. Um, and McNeese State, one of their big plays of the third quarter was uh, a pass to Nate Briscoe for 65 yards to the UNC 8 um, after a sack by Henry Stelsner and a loss of yards on a pass. McNeese State went for a field goal, and your boy Kiefer Glau made this play. Kicking out of his brother's hold. With 6.23 to play in the period. The snap down. The kick is blocked. UNC got to it. It will trickle dead in the end zone. And guess who got that? Kiefer Clow. Clow coming off the edge. Able to take care of that kick. The Bears with the block. Still down. 17-0. Uh, the block by Clow made the game 17-0. 
and uh, was still keeping UNC in the game in the third quarter, even though they were down by three scores. There was maybe a sense of like, well, maybe they can start to get things going. Um, after that, but they didn't. Either neither team really did, um, except UNC got a drive going at the end of the third quarter, um, only for again Colin Root missing his third of the game. From uh, this one, from a close range, 39 yards out, hitting uh, the right upright, and that happened right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, basically, for the fourth quarter, McNeese State came out and played conservative football, trying to run the football and uh, throwing a lot of quick passes and short throws that didn't really go anywhere. Um, UNC was all over it, the running game, the passing. At that point, uh, McNeese State really didn't do a whole lot into the fourth quarter. Um, UNC, on the other hand, started finally putting together some decent drives and ended up with a nice evasion of the rush by Jacob Nip, and that led to their first touchdown of the game. All with a block, but Nip able to elude the defender. How did he do that? Finds a man down the sideline, jukes past the defender, and it's a touchdown, Northern Colorado. The catch, juke, and touchdown by Patrick Stevens made the score 17-7 to and gave UNC life with eight minutes left in the game. UNC then tries an onside kick, but it was unsuccessful. But only two plays later, the biggest play of the game happens for UNC. The snap to Tabaree. His throw intercepted at the 45-yard line. Route jump by Boyd. He laterals it to the 40, 35, 30, 20. Cutting inside to the 10, 5. Touchdown, Northern Colorado. Touchdown, UNC. Michael Walker on the return after the pick by Sharan Boyd. The Boyd interception and then the eventual lateral to Michael Walker who ran, runs it all the way for a touchdown and makes the score 17-14. to 14. And then at this point, it looks like the Bears actually have a chance of winning this game. And this this play actually was uh, on the Sports Center top 10 plays. Uh, I'd seen it on uh, Snapchat. I'd seen it on Twitter. Um, so it was a it was it was a pretty exciting play. And you know the, the sidelines for UNC was going crazy. The crowd was really into it after that point. You know, kind of there was not a whole lot of life as far as. Uh, you know, maybe the offense or maybe thinking about winning games, winning winning the game at that point. But at that point, I think everybody, in the, you know, that was UNC fan and UNC player, uh, started to believe at that point. Um, the Bears, then McNeese stayed on their next drive, was three and out. And it gave the Bears a chance to put a drive together with about 4-16 remaining, but unfortunately couldn't get anything going. Um, this, th- then the same with the next possession they got, Another time with 37 seconds left, but couldn't really get anything done with some penalties and some sacks. Um, and the game was a hard-fought loss for UNC at 17-14. to um, Takeaways from this game um, my, and my thoughts on this game was uh, it, it was really kind of the, it was opposite of what I thought was going to happen. Um, you come into this game thinking, okay, with uh, UNC's offense, you know they got Nip back, they got Trey Trey um, healthy, they got Alex Wesley healthy. You know they got Thyron Vernon, and Michael McCauley. Yes, they're kind of experienced at wide receiver, um, but you thought maybe there would be a couple of guys that uh, would come up for them. Um, they, and they actually did have some guys that actually did all right. Um, and then on the line, um, they were healthy. Um, they were, you know, all of them were experienced. So you thought, well, maybe, you know, hopefully they could do better. You know, and then going against a McNeese State defense, yes, they were the uh, top rushing defense from last year and the top third down defense from last year. And actually in this game, 
Um, I'll get to that stat later. They actually proved that why they were, but they, but they were missing some guys up front, um, and they were returning one guy in the secondary. So you kind of were thinking, okay, you know, maybe UNC can at least put up some yards and put up some points, especially this being um, the first uh, game of the of the season. But that didn't really happen. Um, it was kind of they were kind of inconsistent all day. Um, they couldn't get really anything going on the run. Um, Nip played probably average for his for his standards. Um, he he didn't do terrible. He wasn't bad, but probably just average for his, his standards. You know, and I don't really want to you know maybe get well on one unit of the offense, but the offensive line didn't exactly have the greatest of games. Only uh, allowing only um, getting about 40 yards of net rushing, not too good. Um, and then getting Nip uh, sacked uh, six times. But um, to be fair, you know, like I said, this was a pretty good defense last year. And even though they lost a, guy, a lot of guys, they were still a pretty good defense. This defense from McNeese State was athletic, when they were, and they were fast. They weren't terribly big really anywhere, but they were athletic and they were fast. So you know, I don't want to make an excuse for UNC, but they went up against a pretty good defense on Saturday, especially um, – one of their better players, uh, B.J. Blunt, he was a guy that was literally all over the place, um, stopping the run, whether it was up the middle, stopping it the run, whether it was you know on the outside, you know he was making uh, tackles on the outside and receivers, he was harassing Nip in the backfield, um, you know sacked him a couple of times, he was just all over the place. Every time he looked up, um, he was doing something for that defense. And then on the defensive side of the ball for UNC. Uh, you're thinking, okay, last year they gave up a lot of yards on the run. You were confident in their secondary, but you were like, okay, you know, can they stop the run? Especially when you looked at McNeese State and their offense, they were returning three of their top five, the three of their linemen from, through the five linemen from last year. Uh, they were returning their top two rushers, and the guy that was actually uh, first team South in conference was second string. So you thought, okay, this, you know, this is going to be a probably a tough um, rushing attack they're going to go up against. And UNC really stepped it up, um, only allowing, you know, very little for the rushing attack from McNeese State all game long. Barely, I think they got 106 yards total, one of those being a 41-yard rush by Justin Pratt. So there wasn't really a whole lot going. And then in the secondary, you know, as expected, they played well. Now McNeese State, um, yes, they Yes, they, uh, you know, had maybe one experienced receiver, but they did have James Tavry back, who's a preseason uh, Southland Conference quarterback, um, third-year starter, looking to break records, a uh, whole bunch of them there at McNeese State. So he thought, well, you know, hey, he could probably get some yards going. And he had over 200, but it really, they didn't really test UNC very much. And, you know, McNeese, maybe they didn't do that because, yes, they're, Received experience, but also probably because they knew UNC is strong in the secondary, and UNC used a lot of their guys. It was a mixture of a lot of different guys back there, which is also a really uh, positive sign that even if they could take out some of their first-string guys or second-string guys, can play really well as well. Um, McNeese State barely really went vertical on UNC. I saw maybe two or three passes where they did. Their one long completion was really like a. 12 to 15 yard pass that ended up uh, going going for big yards but the only other deep pass I remember them completing was uh, the Parker Orgeron uh, acrobatic 19 yard catch early in the game 
But other than that, UNC's defense and the secondary shut them down. You know, all the all the short passes and quick screens and whatever, they were caught, but then they wouldn't really go for like a whole lot of yards. Um, UNC limited LeWayne Ross, which who was in some publications picked as a All-American tight end. He had one catch for uh, negative three yards. Um, as far as the game, I was pretty excited. You know, I, I mean, of course, you're not happy when, you know, the Bears lose. But there was definitely positives um, coming from this game. You know, the big main one being, um, you know, the defense really showed up. Um, you know, if they can continue to play like that all season long, they're going to keep, you know, they're going to keep, you know, this team in games. Um, and I feel like I feel like they can. Um, the defensive line looked good. Brent Gindeland had a really good game. Um, you know, like I said, the secondary I think is going to be consistent all year long. Um, the linebacking play looked pretty good. Stelzner was making tackles. Nelson was making tackles. Um, it was just, you know, it was a good performance by pretty much everybody in there. Um, uh, the true freshman, John Desir, actually started the game. And, you know, he seemed to, I don't think he recorded a tackle or anything, but he was in there towards, towards the end. So, you know, Coach Collins and the team trusts him to be in there. So, you know, I'm, I'm now excited about this defense and what it can do. Um, the offense, you know, it was frustrating, but I think with the experienced guys they got, um, I think this is something that they can eventually, you know, they'll, they will, they will get better. I would like to see, I would like to see them probably, it was kind of, um, disappointing. Tyron Verna, he didn't have one catch during the game. Um, I don't, he might've been targeted once, maybe twice. Um, McCauley didn't have a whole lot, you know, those two guys I kind of, you know, hopefully they can maybe get some more uh, balls thrown their way. Um, you know, Wesley, he only had three catches, but they were all big ones. Um, you know, and, and another guy I think that that probably cemented himself so far as the number two target, uh, Noah Soul, and then they had a mixture of guys uh, get in there and uh, get some catches. And, you know, I think if they can get that offensive line to, you know, block better, get a better push on the rush or on, you know, when they run, when they run the ball, and uh, you know protect Nip better, um, and I think they can make things happen. Um, I kind of hope that you know Coach Collins and you know the rest of the coaches, you know, stick with you know what who they started this uh, first game. Um, but you know just to have consistency. But I wouldn't be surprised maybe if they tried to mix it up and you know went maybe uh, a different route against uh, uh, South Dakota. Um, and if I'm looking at it now. I'm going to see if I have to pick uh, the players of the game for um, for UNC. Um, it was probably it was hard to pick um, between uh, Sharon Boyd and Kiefer Gloud. They both had excellent games. Um, Boyd made – he was a leading tackler out of anybody on the field. He actually had 10 tackles. Uh, he had that, you know, crucial interception towards the end of the game. He, he had a fumble recovery. Um, he was – he too was all over the field. Um, not surprising as he's he's a solid player. Um, he's probably going to be uh, doing that all all season long. It, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Um, and then also you have to give um, credit to uh, probably uh, the other man, the other safety, Kiefer Glau. Um, he had nine tackles. Um, he forced a fumble and that big uh, uh, blocked uh, uh, field goal attempt that. Kept the Bears in the game at um, 17 and nothing. 
Um, and then for McNeese State, um, their player of the game, and probably the overall just most impressive guy on the field out of either team, uh, B.J. Blunt. Like I said, he just was absolutely everywhere. You could tell, you could see why he was, um, you know, a JUCO All-American. Uh, you could see why that they moved him from uh, defensive back last year into linebacker, and he just was making play after play. Um, you know, he only I mean, he, he had eight tackles, but it seemed like every time he looked up, he was uh, harass and nip or in in on something. So I'm gonna go over a little bit of the stats here for the game. I'm just I'm gonna go first with just some basic uh, team statistics. Um, so we'll start off with first downs. McNeese State had 15. UNC had 14. Uh, total offensive yards. McNeese State 322. UNC 301. Uh, passing yards. McNeese State 216. UNC 261. Rushing yards. McNeese 106. UNC 40. Penalties. Uh, McNeese had 7 for 40 yards. UNC 7 for 70 yards. Third down conversions, McNeese was 5 of 15, UNC 3 of 15. Uh, fourth downs, McNeese was 1 of 2, UNC 0 for 2. And uh, the time of possession, McNeese had it for 33 minutes and 44 seconds, UNC 25 minutes and uh, 39 seconds. Like I said, um, McNeese State led the country last year at the FCS level in rushing yards. That was definitely showing as they allowed 40, UNC had net 40 in this game and they were also number one in third down conversions and that makes sense too. UNC was uh, three for 15 in that category. I mean McNeese State, here's some individual stats for McNeese State on offense rushing. Uh, Justin Pratt ran the ball 14 times for 63 yards, had a four and a half yard average. And he had one touchdown and the long being a 41. So that kind of, I mean right there he had 63 yards but 41 of them came on one run. Um, that means UNC pretty much for the rest of the game didn't li limited him to not very much yards. And he was definitely a shorter type running back, but he was he was huge in the in the lower body. Um, definitely a guy that you could tell probably was not easy to bring down. And at times, you know, UNC maybe struggled a little bit, but they maybe one guy couldn't bring him up, but they had another guy and another guy um, helping bringing him down. So there was a lot of good you know gang tackling on, on him. Which is a good sign, especially you know I did you, you saw him use tackles, but you know against him they did pretty well. Uh, David Ham, who was actually uh, an all-conference player for him last year, he only had seven attempts, eight yards, a 1.1 average. And then they had a mix of some other runners that didn't really uh, produce a whole lot. Um, as far as the passing game, James Tabery was 15 of 23, 206 yards, a one interception, and a long of 65. So again, if you take out that 65-yard reception, there was about 100, maybe 140 yards left, and Tabri was 15 to 23, only missed eight passes all game. But they were always um, mostly short, you know, quick screens, quick uh, slants, uh, passes over the middle, you know, ones that maybe seven, eight, you know, some's that two, three. So that's kind of reason why he had a, you know, high uh, completion percentage. Also, the back of Cody Orgeron got in there. A few times, it was 3-for-3 three three for 10 yards. Um, and on the receiving for McNeese State, Parker Ogeron had uh, four receptions for 77 yards. Um, kind of figured he would probably lead the team to being, being the most experienced uh, receiver back. Then you had Cyron Sutton, four, four receptions for 29 yards. Uh, Kylan Hyshaw, two receptions for 21 yards. Trevor Bagu, 
two receptions for 16 yards. And um, Dwayne Ross, the preseason All-American, one reception for negative three yards. And they had five other players uh, with uh, one catch. UNC, as far as on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Trey Reek had 11 carries for 38 yards. Uh, Milo Hall, five attempts for 20 yards. And uh, Willie Fairman, two attempts for five yards. Um, you know, that's definitely something that I hope they can get better because, I mean, Trey and Milo um, are good runners. Um, you know, you give them a hole, give them some space, they're going to gain yards. And same with, well, Willie is a fast guy. You know, more, more of like the jet, you know, kind of jet sweep types. Again, give him some space, he can gain some yards. Um, passing for the game, Nip was 19 of uh, 35, um, you know, a little bit over 50%. Pretty good, but, you know, he probably wants to be 60%, 70%, but still not too bad. Um, 261 yards, not bad either. Um, one touchdown and two interceptions. Um, the first one kind of, I don't know if that was totally miscommunication with him and Trey. And the second one was basically, I think he was trying to make something happen and, you know, ended up getting picked off. And, then, you know, unfortunately he was also sacked uh, six times, um, which, you know, was negative in the sense that, you don't want to be giving up those many sacks, but to see him, you know, being injured coming up and not really, you know, uh, feeling the effects of him, that's a, a pretty good sign. Um, receiving-wise, Alex Wesley had nine or had three receptions for 100 yards. Noah Soul had five receptions for 64 yards. Um, Patrick Stevens, he had two receptions for 31 yards and a touchdown. Uh, McCauley, Trey um, and Milo had two catches each, and uh, Med Kevin Meadows and Dante Warren also had a reception each. Now for the defensive individual stats, um, McNeese, or McNeese State's B.J. Blunt, he had eight tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks, and uh, two pass breakups. Colby Burton, six tackles and uh, one tackle for loss. Um, I think he thought he had the interception on, on Alex Wesley, but nope, he ended up not getting it. Um, Gabe Foster had four tackles, one forced fumble, one interception in the pick six. Um, Cody Roscoe, four tackles and uh, two and a half sacks. He was one of the more experienced defensive linemen, and it showed. Um, for UNC on the defensive side, Sharon Boyd, ten tackles, one tackle for loss, one fumble recovery, and one interception. Um, Kiefer Glau, uh, nine tackles, one forced fumble, and uh, one blocked kick. Uh, Luke Nelson had eight tackles. One tackle for loss. Henry Snellsner, uh, six tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. Kiefer Morse, five tackles and one tackle for loss. And uh, Brent Gilliland, on that de newcomer on that defensive line, five tackles for uh, five tackles and one tackle for loss. Um, as far as special teams went um, for McNeese State, uh, I think Gunnar Rayborn he only had one attempt all day, made it. Um, punting wise, uh, Alex I think Kajelston. Um, punted pretty well. He had about a 37-point yard, 37-yard uh, average. Um, and unfortunately for UNC, um, you know, Colin Rue, he missed three field goals, one from 51, one from 44, and one from 39. Um, he has a leg to make those long ones, so it's not surprising that Coach Colin puts him out there for that. Um, I remember last year he was, you know, did pretty well. And it's kind of surprising that he missed those, um, you know, 51 to 44 yards, okay. Uh, maybe in 44 yards, I think he still probably definitely should make. A 39-yarder was he nailed the right upright. It just, you know, kickers are, like Coach Collins said in his Bear Vision interview, they're just kind of different kind of people. And he said, you know, they're going to start working. They're going to work on it. And, you know, I wouldn't doubt if um, Collins can make some uh, big throws 
later in the season. Actually, UNC on punting had a really good day. Colin Root hit some bombs out there. Uh, Glau actually punted once, and they had Noah Solon, kind of a weird, um, different kind of formation, and he ended up punting 1-1, and he actually had a pretty good one. It was, a, I think, a 45 yards and stuck uh, McNeese State inside uh, the 20-yard line on that one. So, like I said, um, it was, uh, you know, kind of an iffy performance by the defense or by the offense I mean and a really good uh, performance by the defense that you know gives you know gives me hope that this defense is going to keep this team in games and that the offense will eventually start getting better and you know if the defense can play well and the offense can start clicking it's you know UNC is going to be uh, a tough game or a tough team to beat all season um so I'll go with the look on to next week um, against uh, South Dakota. They're going to be traveling this time for the first road game of the season. Um, South Dakota, they're the South Dakota Coyotes. Uh, they're out of Vermilion, uh, South Dakota. Um, they were, as far as last year, they were 8-5 and five last year, a playoff team, and actually won their first playoff game against Nichols State, but ended up losing in the next round to uh, Sam Houston State. Um, their team, they return uh, 14, uh, 15 starters from last year. Um, their offense returns seven, but they're going to have to replace their all-everything quarterback, uh, Chris uh, Streveler. He was uh, the Missouri Valley Conference uh, Offensive Player of the Year, um, All-American, and in some publications, the FCS uh, Player of the Year. He set Missouri Valley Conference passing yards and total yards uh, records in a season. Um, he was their leading passer. He was their leading rusher. Um, so that's kind of a big guy that uh, they're going to have to replace there on the offense. Um and then, you know, and even yes, and Strevler, he led the team in rushing, um, but they returned their top two guys, and uh, Michael Frederick and Kai Henry. And uh, but the thing is, you look on their roster. Actually, they converted uh, Michael Frederick to uh, a, a cornerback, so only Kai Henry is basically their only you know top returning rusher. Um, as far as the receiving core, they lose uh, three of their top five re receivers, but they turn the likes of uh, honorable mention Missouri Valley Conference uh, Shamar Jackson. And uh, Cody Case, who was their top uh, punt returner and uh, kick returner last season. Um, their offensive line loses only one starter. Uh, he happened to be an All-American left guard. But they also have, they also returned five offensive linemen uh, with seven-plus starts. So it's not like it's a really, a, you know, new uh, set of linemen out there. They have experienced guys. Um, the defense, they return 18 starters. Or eighteen, they return eight starters, and uh, have fifteen of their top uh, twenty-five or twenty-two tacklers are returning as well. Uh, their defense finished number seven in points per game at twenty-six and a half in the Missouri Valley Conference last year, and also finished uh, number eight in uh, yards allowed per game with four hundred and fifteen, and that's in, that was in the Missouri Valley Conference, and that's uh, you know maybe that. Uh, middle of the road, you know, kind of back end, but the Missouri Valley Conference is a good conference and definitely a good offensive conference as well. Um, to the defensive line, they lose only one starter. And seven of eight uh, top defensive linemen, including three starters, uh, led by All-American defensive end Darren Greenfeld. Um, return Greenfeld had 59 tackles last year, 10 sacks, and 19 and a half uh, tackles for loss um, linebackers 
They lose the number two tackler, but they all but they return the number four, and number six tacklers from last year, Alex Coker and Alex Gray. Uh, the secondary, they lose three cornerbacks and two strong safeties. We return five defensive backs who combined to start 32 games over their careers. Uh, the main returnee being second team Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, free safety on Andrew Gray. He had 89 tackles and 55 tackles for loss last season. Um, they have losses in the secondary, but it's still a solid and experienced group. Um, South Dakota played this past uh, Saturday as well as they played FBS opponent uh, Kansas State. Uh, went down there to Manhattan and lost 27-24, to but they were actually uh, up in that game 24-12 to at halftime. And uh, up 24 to 12 uh, into the beginning of the fourth quarter until uh, K State made a couple and had a couple of touchdowns and ended up winning the game. And uh, South Dakota actually had a chance to tie the game at the end of regulation, but came up short on a long 50-plus yard field goal. Um, talking earlier about them having to replace uh, Streveler, Chris Streveler, they went with uh, their most experienced returnee in Austin Simmons. He was a 24-56 for 257 yards and a one touchdown. Um, I was reading about he that was the most pass attempts by a first uh, time starter in South Dakota's history. So, um, so you look at that. They either you you know they either against the F- FBS opponent they thought they had to really throw the ball around, or maybe that's you know going to be their offense is going to be basically you know really pass happy. Um, as far as the rushing, Kai Henry had 10 attempts for 58 yards for the long of 37. Um, overall, they had 21 attempts and 77 yards net. Um, the leading receiver for them this past week was uh, Levi Falk, 11 receptions, 140 yards. Um, I saw, you know, he's, I was saying earlier, Shamar Jackson was the honorable mention. He had no catches on the game. I saw that he was listed as a starter, but he had no catches. So whether he just was completely shut down or he ended up getting injured, I'm not quite sure. As far as you know, Cody Case, um, he I didn't even see him as a participation on there. He was on the roster, so I don't know what happens there if he's hurt or if they're just you know they had just thought they have you know better guys. I'm not quite sure about that. Um, the defense for South Dakota did play pretty well. Uh, they had three sacks and they had actually had two interceptions. The standout for them was Alex Gray, um, the safety. He had six tackles, two tackles for loss. One sack, one fumble recovery, and one interception that he uh, returned for a touchdown. And he was actually named the Missouri Valley Conference uh, Defensive uh, Player of the Week. Uh, like um, like I told you earlier, uh, their kicker missed a field goal at the end. He was actually one of three. The only one he made was from 27 yards out. And I think the other two was from 40-plus and 50-plus. And um, they, they kind of ended up, from what I read, they ended up uh, uh, they up kind of short. Um so if you kind of look at that game, um, for on the offensive side of the ball for UNC, they're going to go up again against another good defensive line. Um, so it kind of gives you worries about you know, you know, are they, are they going to be good again? Are they going to give up you know sacks like they did in this last game? Um, are they going to get enough push up front so they can give Trey and Milo some holes to run through? Um, so it's another good test for them. Um, you know, I mean, it's probably always best to face. Um, these kind of good, you know, kind of good defenses, um, especially on the defensive line, to you know, to get better, um, to get more confidence, you know, to prove themselves. Um, so, you know, that's going to be, I mean, that's something that's going to be something to look at, is how UNC's offensive line matches up against 
Um, you know, South Dakota's a pretty good defensive line. Um, the secondary, again, seems to it be, seems to be solid. Um, you know, they got you know, Alex Gray may have a heck of a game last week again. Um, you know, I think I think Alex West will get open. I think he's just the kind of guy where there's not going to be very many people that are going to cover him all year long. Um, you know, not very many at all. I think he'll be able to get his. And again, it's going to come up to some guys to step it up and see where they go. You know, and I think you know Noah Soul is a big body out there. He was a good target for Nip last week, so I can see him getting some gains, you know, some catches. Um, you know, I kind of like to see them uh, use Dante Warren a little bit more. He they had a couple passes thrown to him. Um, I mean, that slant pattern he ran was a pretty good one. He's also a big, tart, and athletic guy. And you know, like I said before, I'd like to see the tight ends get a little more action. Thyron Vernon get some balls thrown his way. Um, you know, maybe throw some balls to Willie Fairman there in the slot. Um, that's what kind of they're missing a little bit of that. You know, the, the past few years they've been kind of spoiled with uh, Hakeem Diggs and Alice Onik the second um, there. But uh, they need to find they need to find some guys like that. You know, Fairman could be that. And uh, I'd like to them to maybe give a chance to Sam Flowers. I know he was suited up, but he didn't. I don't, I don't think he got in there. And I'm you know I'm not quite you know I'm not there at practice all the time. And you know seeing what's going on if he's ready. Or what but you know I wouldn't mind seeing him get some action in there to test this uh you know probably maybe not real good you know real real good uh South Dakota secondary but one that's uh definitely solid and if you want to look on uh defense for UNC coming this game um like I said you had Austin Simmons he threw his ball 56 times um 24 56 that's you know under 50 percent um first game I could probably see the nerves um you know you know, then this game against UNC will be his first home game, so maybe he'll come in, maybe nervous too, or maybe he'll be, you know, even more excited and on point. But uh, you know, kind of just by those num, just that number alone, you know, um, you know, kind of sits well for UNC if he's maybe not, you know, very accurate. Um, you know, and then you look at they only had 77 yards of rushing. Um, Kai Henry at 58, and all, and pretty much, and 37 of them came up on uh, one run. Uh, so, you know, if the UNC defense could be good against the run again, going to force South Dakota into being, you know, again just a passing team. And I, I think, you know, I mean, teams nowadays, a lot of teams are going to put up numbers, they're going to put up points. But I think, you know, the more times the ball is in the air against UNC secondary the better. I think they're going to make plays um, like Sharon Boyd did. I think they're going to break up passes. Um, you know, I think they're going to do a lot of good things, you know, if teams just have to throw the ball against them. Last year, they were actually were really good against the pass. Um, if you look at statistics, you know, where they got killed at was the running game. Um, but if, you know, if the first game is, a, you know, kind of a prediction for the way the rest of the season could be, then, you know, that's looking pretty uh you know, pretty good for the Bears. Um, so, you know, this is going to be their first away game. Uh, unfortunately, if you're a Bears fan, you know that they haven't really uh, been very good on the road, um, especially against a, a team like kind of a South Dakota's caliber. Um, so kind of, you know, that definitely does worry me. But, um, again, you know, I think, I think the guys are really, you know, they want to prove people wrong. I think they want, the coaches do. I definitely know that the players definitely do. And, you know, these um, are the kind of games where they can, where they can go into a tough place against a good team, and they can, and if they can come out and pull out a win, it's going to really, you know, make people notice, um, you know, Big Sky and the Red of FCS saying, hey, you know, 
when we play UNC, this is not going to be no pushover. Um, this is a team that's going to contend, and this is a team that could, you know, do well and, um, you know, maybe even make the playoffs at the end of the season. So, you know, we look at it as an opportunity for them again, an opportunity to prove uh, some, some people wrong and, you know, prove themselves that they can uh, do this. Um, I know the game is going to be played, um, I think it's at 1 o'clock Mountain Time. Um, it's going to be on uh, ESPN Plus. Um, that's kind of a paid uh, another look app for uh, for ESPN. Um, I know I have it. It's like I think it's 4.99 a month. It's actually I, I love it. it has you know has it's going to have like a lot of these kind of FCS games on it. it. Has like soccer games that I watch and all that. It's I I love it. And um, unfortunately, I won't be able to watch it uh, live. I'll be at work, but um, I'm gonna try to find a way to watch it at work. And if not. Um, I can always, you know, check out the replay um, a little bit later. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the game again. I'm thinking, you know, that they do have a chance. I'm I'm kind of hoping that, you know, it's going to be South Dakota's first ho uh, home game. Um, I think if UNC can hold on strong in the beginning, just kind of not get uh, ran by in the, in the beginning, I think, again, if they can take this game into the fourth quarter having a chance, um, that looks good for them. So I'm just kind of hoping they, again, improve uh, on offense and um, also, um, you know, kind of keep going, keep the momentum going of what they did on defense against uh, a McNeese State. Um, so I think that's about it for this week. Um, come back next week. Again, I'll have, uh, I'll talk about, the, you know, give a little bit of a review of uh, the South Dakota game and then give a, a little bit of a preview of uh, the next home game for UNC on the 15th. And that one's going to be at 2 o'clock as well um, against uh, Sacramento State. And, again, it, that one won't actually be – Sacramento State's still in the big sky, but it's not going to be uh, – it's actually non-conference for UNC. Um, so – but it'll be against the biggest sky team that <laughs> that did well last year. So, you know, none of these three, actually four games ain't going to be easy. But i um, going to be looking forward to that. So I'll I'll end it here. And um, I guess I'll, I'll see you guys yeah. next week. So Let like always, vamos osos. I'm about to break it down. Ain't no mistakes allowed, but make no mistake. I'm about to rape the alphabet. I may raise some brows if I press the issue just to get the anger out. Full magazine can take staples out. Savage, but ain't thinking about no bank account. But bitch, I'm off the chain like Taylor Brown. Motherfucker, shut the fuck up when I'm talking low, bitch. I'm sorry. Wait, what's your talent? Oh, critiquing my talent. Oh, bitch, I don't know who the fuck y'all are to give us up our bar. Even have an opinion of you You mention me, millions of views Attention and news, I mention you Lose, lose for me, win, win for you Billions of views, your ten cents or two Skim through the music to give shit reviews To get clicks, but bitch, you just lit the fuse Don't get misconstrued, business is used Shitless renewed, so get shit to do Or get this, cause I just don't get what the fuck Half the shit is that you're listening to do You have any idea how much I hate this choppy flow Everyone copies, they'll probably know Get this fucking audio out my audio Audios, I can see why people like little yachty but not me though, not even dissing, it just ain't for me All I am simply is just an MC Maybe Stan just isn't your cup of tea Maybe a cup full of syrup and lean Maybe I need to stir up shit Preferably shake the world up if it were up to me Paul wants me to chill, y'all want me to ill I should eat a pill, probably I will Hold me, kill the new me, watch him bleed to death I breathe on a mirror, I don't see my breath Possibly I'm dead, I must be possessed Like an evil spell, I'm E-V-I-L Democrats white strip in the tip of my dick with an ice pick sticking in a vice pit hanging on a spike fence bang it with a pipe wrench while I take my ball second flick it like a light switch let vice president
president Mike Pence back up on my shit in a sidekick as I lay it on a spike strip These are things that I'd rather do than hear you on a mic since 910 So your mind is about ice and Jesus Christ man how many times is someone gonna fuck a mic bitch Fuck my side chick You won't ever see M.I.C. but it's cold as I get on the M.I.C. I polarize shit so the temps might freeze and your skull might split like I pass to upside it Bitch I got the club on smash like a nightstick Turn down for what? I ain't loud enough Nah, turn the volume up Cause I don't know how I'm gonna get your mouth to shut now When it doesn't matter what caliber I spit at I'll bet a hundred thousand bucks You'll turn around and just be like Man, how the fuck Sourpuss gonna get mad Just cause his album sucks And now he wants to take it out on us But last week an ex-fan mailed me A copy of the math that's LP To tell me to study It'll help me get back to myself And she'll love me I mailed the bitch back and said if I did that I'd just be like everyone else in the fucking industry Especially in that being recovery clone